We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, Come to the table, come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table.
Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Cold. Cold? Yes. We got the heat on. It'll it'll warm up. I'd say get closer to each other, but it might shut us down. So uh, um, if you want, stand. We'll pray and praise. Father, we're grateful for this morning, uh, for the reason we're here, for you, for your love, how you've worked in our lives. Uh, so we just give this little bit of our week to you. As we stop here, we focus in on you. Uh, we sing these songs to you, these words of praise. We hear your word through Leonard. God, give us open ears, open hearts um, to grow even in a little bit today. The littlest step closer to you, God. So we love you. We praise you. We give this time to you. Amen. give a praise Jesus this morning. <laughs> praise Jesus. We are all here feeling good, ready to worship him and uh, hear what 
his word has to say. If you will, have a seat. We'll go over a couple announcements. Uh, first, uh, middle school and high school will be meeting in person tonight at 6.30. Some exciting news. Um, also, if you're on social media, we have October laid out for you of in-person, Zoom, corn maze next week. Um, you know, we want to invite you all for that. Next slide. Rolling Acres next Sunday uh, at 4.30. Depending on how many people we have show, show up, it will either be $8 a person or $10. Um, we're hoping to have 20 or more. So if you haven't done so, you plan on coming, sign up on uh, Facebook. Let us know that you're coming. Um, but we will have a table and, you know, just some fellowship and fun. Um, next one is we will be participating in the Trail of Treats put on by the Salem Parks. Uh, we have a box outside the Worship Center um, for donations of candy. Um, that is October 18th at, you don't know? October 25th, what'd I say? Except 18th, 25th. Donations by the 18th, there we go. But it is the 25th at 6.30, 6 to 8. All right, next one. Kids Ministry, we are looking for volunteers to help um, serve in that way, whether it be teaching, helping out alongside myself, um, but just so that we are with our constitution and bylaws, keeping the kids safe and everybody accountable. Um, we need volunteers and help, and the kids love help. They, they love to see your guys' smiling face. So if you're interested, contact me, church office, and we'll get you signed up and everything that you need in that route. Next one, Operation Christmas Child Boxes are located outside in the what used to be the cafe um, until that gets reopened um, but boxes you can pick them up there's also a card if you just want to send money and pick out your items for boxes that way you're allowed to do that um, shipping is nine dollars we ask that donation be paid out and those are due no later than sunday november 15th so i think that's the last one and if there's nothing else at this time, the kids will go with me and Jesse downstairs. Can you guys hear? There we go. Okay, we had some problems with the mic last week, and Brian has been, he's been trying to solve the problem, and I said, Brian, maybe the problem isn't the mic, maybe it's the mic wearer. So sometimes, you know, you hate to admit fault, but uh, that may be the case. So I'm doing the best that I can to try to make this um, as seamless as possible with the, with the mic, so bear with me if it doesn't, if it doesn't do what it needs to do. Um, so anyway, a lot of stuff going on with the kids, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about the energy that, that Matt uh, is pouring into that alongside all the volunteers. Uh, so please keep that matter uh, lifted up in prayer because that spiritual layer of our lives uh, has been, I think, disrupted somewhat by what, what we've gone through in the last several months. And that spiritual layer, as we know, is critical for our young people as uh, they think about the life that they live and how God fits into it and how we can clarify that in not only their, their mind but their hearts and their lives and their families. Uh, that is part of what we do here. Well, um, I wanted to do kind of a two-part message on how God made you and I for community, that is for what we are doing here in this, in this gathering. <clears throat> There's something special about being together that even though we have online experiences that are so helpful, uh, there's just nothing like being in the same room with other people. That is until we get into a conflict and we're like, okay, let's go back to online again. It's a lot easier that way. But there is something about being in this room together with Jesus that changes all of that. And that's the thing that I really want to underscore uh, this morning as we go into our message time, how what we're doing in this room 
isn't just you and I together in a space, but it is you and I and the Lord together in a space. And when that happens, we should expect things to happen. And I, I've loved uh, some of the conversations that the elders have been having recently about who we are, why we do what we do, and just getting back to the fundamentals of what it means to be the church. And Matt actually brought together uh, uh, some, 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 some points from Acts 2.42 that describes the church as a community, and uh, it's given me a lot of food for thought. Uh, and the elders as well, as we just consider who we are, why we do what we do, and who's a part of it. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, take a look at Acts chapter 2. But before we go there, uh, I'd just like for everybody, uh, including those of you guys online, uh, welcome by the way, I'd just like for everybody to bow for just a second, and let's invite the Lord into this experience and hopefully lead us through it. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you are always with us. You promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you, Father, that as you sent your Son into our world, he has transformed uh, so many things, including our lives, by being a, 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 a high priest, uh, the sacrificial lamb, the one who takes away the sins of the world, the one who reconciles us to you. And all of that work that he's done for us, that grace allows uh, us to become different people because not only has he done these things for us, but you, Lord Jesus, are with us. And for that, uh, we can't express enough gratitude that we don't have to do life alone that we have one another and that we have you with us as we are with one another. So, Lord, I just ask that you help our hearts and minds to be open to receiving those things that we are going to review from life at the very beginning of life with you and the church and how that helps each of us. So please just bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, there was a scripture that was put up there just now from Acts chapter 2. Uh, and, and just for the moment, I'm going to read verses, just, just, just the very opening verse. And that is, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is the Bible as we know it right now, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I just want to stop right there, and, and maybe if you were to just say, whoa, wait a minute, what, what is going on here in this passage of Scripture? Well, until you really know a backstory that happened three years prior to the writing, or to, 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 the, to the experience that is being described here, you really can't fully appreciate what's happening. And you know, there are masters who do things that impress us profoundly in the world. Uh, there's actually a series of videos you can, you, can, uh, you can rent that describe what masters do in their particular domains. Um, you know, there, there was a, a video you could, you could rent for uh, golf tips from Tiger Woods, or there's a video that you can rent that is uh, how you can get the best relational advice from uh, one of the best psychologists, I guess, Dr. Phil. There is a video for uh, how, to, how to be motivated in the best possible way by perhaps what I would consider, and I'm not a big sports buff anymore, but at the time I would say, and this may create some, some antagonism already, uh, from Mike Ditka and the Chicago Bears. I mean, I just got to bring it up sometimes because it is a, a moment on the timeline that uh, was very formative. All that to say that when you ask a question, when it comes to a master in the background of the lives of the people who are doing church together, who was that master and what did he do that impressed the hearts and the minds of the people that were doing this. And that person was the world's greatest expert 
on church, on um, those, those gatherings of people that are uh, little units within the church that we would call small groups or uh, community groups or however you want to describe uh, those, those groups within a body where we, we kind of gravitate together and a lot of times they're not bigger than about 12 people. And as Jesus was taking the substance of everything that he knew and pouring it into the lives of his followers, he first had to get followers. And when he had this plan, this, what I would call, the be together plan, because that's exactly what's happening there. They are being together. Well, he didn't start a country. He didn't start an army. He didn't start a business or a university or an institution. He started with just a little group of people. And you would think that God, of all people who have embodied human flesh and yet at the same time uh, had the, the sole unique role of being Lord of the universe, when he did that, how would he best influence the masses? Well, he started with a small group of people and a curriculum that was oriented towards helping them to become who they needed to become. And this is how he did it. We read uh, just, I'll, I'll just, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read this for you. In Mark 13, 3.13, it says, Jesus went up into the hills and he invited those he wanted with him, and they came to him. And this is what he did. He had this vision of a whole bunch of people who did not necessarily socially uh, fraternize with one another, and he said, that is exactly what I'm looking for. And I want to show them, even though under any other conditions, you would never get an impulsive person like Peter. You would never get ladder climbers like James and John. You would never get tax collectors like Matthew and uh, zealots like Simon who hated each other. Notwithstanding the fishermen who really didn't want the drama of any of this stuff together <laughs> in the same, not just room, but in that same band of people that hung on every word that Jesus said. And weirdly enough, his be together plan somehow created the ingredients for this group of people to get along. Now, maybe you're like me, and, and with COVID, you've had people come back into your house, you know, kids from afar. Uh, coming back home with gifts, like all their stuff, and uh, saying, uh, we're here for a while. And it really is a test of how well you can do community as a family. You know, you're all biologically, in my case, the same makeup, pretty much. And yet, we have different opinions about things. We have willfulness. We have all of those things that even though we had so much in common, would create tension. And I would say if it wasn't for the grace of the Lord, uh, no one died. And so it's all good. And, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, sadly, we, uh, uh, my, my daughter moved to uh, an apartment in Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was sort of like at first everybody's converging and now everybody's leaving. Uh, but that, uh, that's the way life is, and, and in the process, I think some transformation happened in all of our lives together. But we had a lot of time that we spent together, and I would say that in the end, it was a good thing. Jesus is looking at people that are not biologically connected, that have nothing work-wise or calling-wise related, and certainly their attitudes were different about a lot of things from politics to religion to what kind of work you do. And yet when I look at the church and I see you guys and myself with you guys, I know that there is at a deeper level a connection 
And it has a whole lot to do with the fact that Jesus is with us. And at an even deeper level, I believe he's in us. And that's the thing that changes everything. But how did the master do it? Well, if you look at the lives that he brought into his plan with his curriculum, he said this, when you try to serve me, I will be with you. When you fail, I will be with you. When you are sick, I will be with you. When you are discouraged and confused, I will be with you. When something happens that is worth celebrating, I will celebrate that with you. When there is a mess that needs to be cleaned up, I'll be with you and I will help you. Essentially, Jesus said, everything that happens in your life, I will be with you. And sometimes I think I've been a Christian for so long that I've forgotten what it was like not to have him until you run across a person who maybe has never known him or been disconnected from him. And there is a level of loneliness and hopelessness and despair that they can't always hide. And yet you know that inside of you there is something that keeps those forces from overtaking you. And it's the fact that Jesus said he wouldn't leave us or forsake us. So Jesus has this be-together plan, and it's to be together in all circumstances. And in this plan, we see from the text that we read on the, on the screen that people become devoted to each other. Now, I say become devoted to each other because if you read Gospels, you find that there are, there are some strong opinions and there are like some little subgroups and there are some people within that mix that clearly they're not getting along. A couple of brothers saying, Jesus, put us at your right hand or your left hand. Forget about those guys. There are others who try to do the agenda on their own, like, like Peter who's impulsive and just wants to run ahead of the plan. There are probably bickerings that are happening behind Jesus' back that he's aware of. There is this sense of, you read this in Luke a lot with, with the disciples. Jesus, don't give the Gentiles what, 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 what's for us. And that theme shows up. Pretty much their thinking was not his thinking. Their attitudes were pretty much what they developed growing up in school, learning about other people as being bad and their own people being good, thinking about God in ways that were distorted because of the religious system that was in place. So much work to do. How many of you have ever felt like if I, if I can only just clean up my act a little bit, I will, then I'll go to church? If I can only just get rid of some baggage, then I can go into that building and look other people in the eye. How many of you ever felt like I've got this burden of shame or sin or secret sin or guilt, and it's just keeping me from being around other people? And the simple yet profound answer for all of us, because I think that speaks for each of us, is that Jesus has a response to all of that, and he helps us with each part of that. Some of us need to turn away from things to turn to him. And when he says to those disciples, who were not disciples yet, but were just doing their everyday business, follow me, he's basically saying, I want you to, Turn away from the things that you used to do and turn towards me. And as you do, you will find that your life is never going to be the same. And what he discovered 
as he just patiently, patiently spent time with them and endured their immaturity and their wrong thinking, what he discovered was, well, about a year in, he's seeing they're starting to kind of like each other because they're spending time with each other. And they're going through all the ups and downs of life. And all of a sudden, they're seeing past those superficial things that kept them apart. And they're seeing at a deeper level that through Jesus, there is a connection. And they went, I think, from being people that are called into basically a loose association of followers with Jesus to being a group of people that had solidarity. Have you ever applied for a job and then you got it? And then when you went to the orientation training, you discovered that everybody in that room, and I, I've been in a few of these, they're all coming from very different backgrounds. And part of you says, I don't know that I'll ever get along with this person who obviously is you know, they're from, they're from another part of the country and they have different views politically. I'll never get along with this person because, you know, they like country music. And I know I'll never get along with this person because they're pretty hung up on themselves. And I remember having that conversation with myself when I went into an orientation. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm kind of put off by some of these people. Only to find that in the, uh, in, in the graphic arts department that I worked at for a, a period of time, I was, I was stationed with a number of those individuals, and I'm like, this is just going to be a hard job. I can see it coming. Only to find out that there were deeper sides to their, themselves, and by the time I quit that job, it was like we all just got along famously. But it was because we were spending a lot of time together. And the more time we spent together, the more the walls broke down. And when Jesus is looking at this group of people and he's asking the question, how, how long, not if, but how long is it going to take for my plan to take effect? And I would say as we read the Gospels, it took about three years of just doing life together for them to experience that transformation. And the question myself and the elders have been asking is, how do we participate in this plan? How do we do that with each other as elders? And how do we do that with the body so that we can, in a sense, follow suit with the things that Jesus said you need to do to be a church? And so as we revisit it, we find in passages of Scripture, like Acts 2.42, that we, we have to do life together, that we have, to, we have to laugh and weep and celebrate and share and serve and give and receive and be devoted to. Because as we read these verses, we find... And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gratitude and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's sort of the outcome of what happened as these people devoted themselves together every Sunday for fellowship, for communion, breaking of the bread, for prayer, and for hearing God's word spoken into their lives. They needed that, those rituals and the substance of God's word and prayer, that connection with God together. And they needed that fellowship more than anything. And I don't know about you, but it's really nice to come back to church and be with you guys 
in that physical sense. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it was great that we have technology so that we can connect digitally for sure. But there's just nothing like, well, right now, doing a lot of fist bumps. I'll take it. If a fist bump is all I get, I'll take it. Just don't hit my fist too hard because I'm, you know, not a fighter. I'm a, I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm a lover, but I'm a godly lover. How's that sound? Okay. As God is uh, working through his son in this very real world way, drawing people like you and I into the experience, his presence is creating a model for how we do what we do. Now, obviously, as we meet in the larger group, uh, we, um, we experience community together and all the things mentioned in Acts 2.42, don't we? But then we have, we have uh, you know, in, in the previous uh, uh, period of time, we did have small groups that met. And the idea was that we could sort of knock some of the rough edges off of each other and we could grow in grace and knowledge and caring for each other and spend time with each other, perhaps more than just in a corporate gathering like this. Because I can only imagine that as we look at Jesus' be with plan and he ignites it in his followers to see it spread into the lives of other people, that when we read about it, we find that all of a sudden, little communities are popping up all over the place. And the scripture records in the book of Acts that people met in the house of a man named Jason, a man named uh, Titus Justice, Philip's house, Lydia's house. I don't know if Lydia's with us today. Uh, in um, in uh, the house of the Philippian jailer, Mary the mother of John, basically it just describes people meeting in their homes. Because prior to about 300 years into it, believe it or not, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there weren't any buildings like this. It was just pretty much all in the homes. And the experience uh, was different. And trying to recapture that, can you imagine the Holy Spirit saying, okay, we're going to switch it up a little bit about how we think about church. Uh, so what I want you to do is just look at it as, let's go once a week to a big building where everything is optional. Nobody will ever get to know you. Nobody will ever get to know where your heart or your mind is. Nobody will discover your spiritual gifts, get to serve people, grow together. And sometimes that happens in church because that substance of being with Jesus and being with Jesus together and then having to interact in a way that is challenging at times wasn't happening. So the commitments didn't run deep. Any of you have any friends that you've had for your whole life or the better part of your life? Maybe from high school, college, or maybe from the military, but you spent enough time with that person that it's like every time you and maybe you don't talk to them for a while, but when you reconnect with them, it's like the conversation picks up where it left off a couple of years ago. And it could be five or ten. And what was so unique about that friend that enabled you to have that conversation like you did? My guess is that if each of you kind of look back at your time with them, you would say, we not only spent time together, we went through some ups and downs together. And in that experience, because we were committed to the relationship, we, we just, we created a, a bond, a, a connection. And I got to think that as a church, our best connections to each other are when we go through the highs and the lows but we go through them not only together, but with this expectation that Jesus is with us. He 
will always be with us, just like he has been with us. And as we go through it together, he is the one who is actually creating that glue. And I can imagine the Holy Spirit looking at the lives of the people who are devoted to one another and saying essentially, the spirit that you saw alive in Jesus, which would be the Holy Spirit, is now alive in you. But I, I, I have to admit, as I'm looking at this cross-section of people that Jesus originally had as his followers, now devoting themselves to fellowship, recognizing that Jesus was with them, I also know this. They were a lot like you and I. Basically, before knowing the Lord, I can say this, and I can say to some degree it is still an issue where my life still has junk in it. It's still sinful. It is still messed up. It is still struggling. Maybe not as much as that first day that I entered into a church building and I began to meet him through his people. But I have to tell you, at times, uh, um, those things rear their ugly head. And sometimes it's around other people. And sometimes it's off-putting to people. You know, they say that when, when you look at churches or small groups when they gather, do you know what the number one killer is that makes the things fall apart? They say it isn't so much as time commitments or other distractions. It is this. It is the EGR people. You know what the EGR people are? Some of you may already know this. The extra grace required people. You know, maybe the person who talks too much, who doesn't get it, who isn't smooth, who belongs to the wrong political party, who likes country music, who reminds you of a relative that is the reason why you don't go to family gatherings. You know, that person, that willful person, that person. That's why things fall apart sometimes. But you know the interesting thing is, you know where those people are? Just look around the room. It's actually all of us. We're all those people to some degree to one another. Except when we go into those situations and we say under our breath or as we engage with them, Lord Jesus, be with me, live in me, Speak through me. Help me to be who I'm supposed to be as you're with me and in me. And I kid you not, when I go into group gatherings and I do that, there's something about the, the experience that other people have with me and I with them that is different. But if I go into a group gathering and I forget that, for some reason, is the magic isn't there. The it factor isn't there. And I think it's because, well, we don't take time to invite him in. And I believe that the followers of Jesus originally learned to ask the question, Lord Jesus, how would you have us relate to one another? What would you have us do? And so when Jesus said, guys, I have died, I have taken the sins away from those who would follow me, I have risen from the, the dead after being in the ground for three days, I now have to go and be seated at the right hand of the Father, enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords. I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to go back to where I came from. And can you imagine just those guys wrapping their minds around the fact that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was with them for three years? I mean, how do you even begin to comprehend what that, the significance of that? And yet, the day that he said, 
I got to go. Can you imagine? There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <clears throat> Can you imagine the feeling of just like the life being sucked out of the room? And yet Jesus said, said this, you guys have learned the art of living life together as I have been a part of that experience with you. I'm going to take it a level further. I'm going to go, but I'm going to be with you. And another scripture that the elders and myself uh, and staff have been reading is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Where Jesus says, I'm going, so here's what you need to do. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you. And then he goes. And then people are like, How's he going to be there and here? Jesus said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he's going to make your lives come alive together. So if you wanted to know the backstory of Acts 2.42, that band of followers being devoted to each other, coming out of those weird backgrounds and each being an EGR person. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he calls you and I to be a part of. And we don't have to clean ourselves up before we get there, but we do have to surrender our lives to a Savior who cleanses us with his holy shed blood that provides the only forgiveness of the guilt and the shame and everything that we've accumulated into our lives up to that point. And as we turn our lives to him and give our lives over to him, he takes that empty space that he has just cleansed and he pours himself into our lives. And we become different people not because of us but because of him and so I'm just ending this first part of this message with a call and that is a call to a community just like Jesus when he met those first followers he simply said follow me and when that process of taking the first step began, we know that the call at this point is to not only follow him, but to surrender our lives to him as we turn away from all those things that don't provide answers and we turn towards the one who is the answer in a spirit of repentance which just means to turn away from the things that are destroying you and turn towards the things that bring life and help you thrive together with others. Jesus has accomplished that. And now it is the gift that enables us to move in that direction into a community. The hardest thing, I think, for these past several months has been seeing our older people especially disconnected from that physical interaction of other people. The second hardest thing has been to see other people who haven't necessarily been relegated to uh, a, a, a facility per se for their care, but because of the conditions we're in, still being disconnected. And I know the loneliness has been unbearable at times. And I know the frustration of not being able to just do what we're doing now has been overwhelming. But I also know this. We miss those things because they were part of what we did before. But when you're brought into a community of people where Jesus is with us, 
if you haven't experienced that, you don't have any idea what you're missing. But if you have, then you know how vital it is for life and how critical it is for each of us to be together with him. Jesus is calling us into a vital relationship, and it starts with him. And maybe, as you've heard this, these words spoken, Jesus is saying to you, I'm calling you because I want to be with you. I want you. I want to be with you forever. And I, I, I can't say it loud enough how much the heart of the Lord is given over to your salvation. And perhaps God is saying, now's the time to get baptized, to be drawn into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that you can be a part of the community of Jesus. And if you need to take a step in that direction, please just see me or one of the elders after the service. And as God is prompting you, we want to help you. Perhaps for the rest of us, it's just a friendly reminder. Do not forget that as we do church, as we do community, we always have to invite the Lord into that experience personally and together for it to work or it won't work. We have to be devoted to him. Well, I'm going to just move into our time of communion. I don't know if Jason is here this morning. Um, if not, then I'm just going gonna, gonna to lead you to that table that we talked about in Acts chapter 242 where they broke bread together. And if you picked up your communion cup right outside the doors, we want to um, take this time and uh, share in this experience together. If you don't have one, uh, feel free to just go get one if you like or whatever, whatever the case may be. But I'd like for us, as people did in the very first church, I'd like for us to take this loaf and this cup and just recognize that it says a lot of things to you and I. But one of the fundamental things that we're reminded of every week is Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Take of my body, drink of my blood, and I will not only be with you, I will be in you to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Father, we just take this loaf and this cup and we sanctify it before you by asking that you would sanctify us through it, that you would enable us to find forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, whatever it is that Jesus died for us for in this moment. And then help us, Father, to remember as we take these emblems into our own being that in essence it is like taking Jesus into our lives at the very deepest level of our being. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.
Father, we love you. Thank you again for this time together, for how you're working in our lives, God. Thank you for the message we heard. Just, uh, just bring us together. Everything outside of here in the world tells us to find anything we can to argue about. Ascension to any reason not to be together. Exhausting. And we come here and teach us that none of that matters, God. That you're all that matters. That our hope is in you. That nothing about you or what this place, what this body of people represents in any way associated with it, God. Not relevant or relaxed or anything like that, God. It's all about you. Completely opposite. So as we're here, as we hear your word, as we grow, and as we sing this next song, God, tune our hearts to you and you alone. Love you. We praise you. I just pray for blessings on everybody as we go from this place today, God, that we do turn uh, more and more each day from the world and just dive into you, God, uh, reach to you, towards you, and surrender to you, holy God. We love you. We praise you.
today in the preaching of your word and the hearing of your word and the believing of your word. Uh, may we go out from here as those who have you within us. You place us there by, you wor by your word. You form us by your word and you are formed in us by your word. Help us to seek you in that place with your people. Ever praying for the desire for that very thing to grow. Charles Spurgeon called this the church, the dearest place on earth. It's because you are in your people. You take us from being together, as Leonard has said, and you are the only thing that makes us belong. So we pray thanking you for your marvelous grace and compassion to bring us from outside, inside, safe in your fold. And it's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Thank you. Amen. Reminder to pick up Operation Christmas Child boxes, and if you got kids downstairs, you probably don't want to leave them here. <laughs> 